Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm so glad you've decided to join the party this Christmas Eve right here at Union Chapel. And of course, I wanna thank you in advance for letting us know that you're a part of this. You can do that by clicking the link right in the description. And of course, the easiest way is by downloading the Union Chapel app. But what is Christmas without an opportunity for us to be generous? If you wanna give here at Union Chapel, the easiest way to do that is through our app, online or through the link in the description, of course, by mail as well. Thanks so much for your partnership in the gospel and helping us with that. We're excited about what God has in store for us and for you. And I wanna share with you a little bit about this year's Christmas offering. Yes, we're partnering with Blood and Fire to pull off their Christmas store. Another thing that we're doing and continuing to do is to help light their paths, distribute Bibles all over our area and even all over the world. But this year, we have an unprecedented opportunity to partner with Urban Light to help make a difference in the lives of men who are coming out of addiction and to help them with transitional housing. And here's something that will tell you a little bit more about that. And so we've actively been involved in helping people recover. Many people in our church, including uh, some of our leaders, are people who have come out of addictions. My particular major sin is alcohol. I drink too much when I drink, right? Other people's struggles are something else. We're all, we're all in this, right? If we all didn't have some sort of sin in our lives, we wouldn't need Jesus. I mean, uh, it's weird when I come here on Sundays and I hear people go, Pastor Andrew, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, he is a pastor. He's my friend first. Is we wanna give people a hand up and walk things out with them instead of giving them a handout. And the handout is why you see people every Tuesday. It's because that's what you're doing. You're giving them a meal here, a meal there, a bus pass here, a bus pass there but we want them to understand what it's going to take for them to be self-sufficient. I would love to see a recovery house happen here. Um, I'm still married to my husband, but we're separated because he's still out there on drugs. And um, I think like a men's recovery house coming to Muncie would be so great because it would give people like my husband a chance. I like seeing people whole. I like the moment when they discover that they can do it. Around the same time that we were working on plans for this social service hub and men's recovery home, we were approached by Union Chapel, who was also recognizing that God was laying a similar vision on your hearts. What better way to celebrate Jesus' love for us than by helping other people? And now I'm gonna turn it over to Mary, Alexa, and Kenzie as they share the story of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now, Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem the town King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full. Every bed was taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them. There isn't any place for you. Where would they stay? Soon, Mary's baby would come. They couldn't find anywhere except an old, tumble-down stable 
So they stayed where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. And there in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born, his baby son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and used the animal's feeding trough as his cradle. And they gazed in wonder at God's greatest gift, wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us because of course he had. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You see, God was like a new daddy. He couldn't keep the good news to himself. He'd been waiting all these long years for this moment, and now he wanted to tell everyone. So he pulled out all the stops. He'd sent an angel to tell Mary the good news. He'd put a special star in the sky to show where his boy was. And now he was going to send a big choir of angels to sing his happy song to the world. He's here, he's come, go and see him, my little boy. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. He sent all those angels to sing for a raggedy bunch of shepherds watching their sheep outside Bethlehem. In those days, remember, people used to laugh at shepherds and say they were smelly and call them rude names, which I couldn't possibly mention here. You see, people thought shepherds were nobodies, just scruffy old riffraff. But God must have thought shepherds were very important indeed, because they're the ones he chose to tell the good news to first. That night, some shepherds were out in the open fields, warming themselves by a campfire, when suddenly the sheep darted. They were frightened by something. What was it? They turned around. Standing in front of them was a huge warrior of light, blazing in the darkness. Don't be afraid of me, the bright shining man said. I haven't come to hurt you. I've come to bring you happy news for everyone, everywhere. Today in David's town, in Bethlehem, God's son has been born. You can go and see him. He's sleeping in a manger. Behind the angel, they saw a strange glowing cloud, except it wasn't a cloud. It was angels, troops and troops of angels armed with light, and they were singing a beautiful song. Glory to God. To God be fame and honor and all our hoorays. Then, as quickly as they appeared, the angels left. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The shepherds stampered out their fire, left their sheep, raced down the grassy hill, through the gates of Bethlehem, down the narrow cobbled streets, through a courtyard, down some step, step, steps, past an inn, round a corner, through a hedge, until at last they reached a tumble-down stable. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds caught their breath. Then quietly, they tiptoed inside. They knelt on the dirt floor. They had heard about this promised child, and now he was here. Heaven's son, the maker of the stars, a baby sleeping in his mother's arms. This baby would be like a bright star shining in the sky 
that night. A light to light up the whole world, chasing away darkness, helping people to see, and the darker the night got, the brighter the star would shine. Hi everyone, welcome to Christmas Eve at Union Chapel. So glad you've joined us. As you can see, I have my wife Beth with me. I uh, thought we'd make this a little more casual, a little more homey, so that you could get the feel for Christmas Eve and the closeness of family and friends. And of course, it gives you an opportunity to look at Beth instead of me, and that's always an advantage. So welcome to Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to you, and hope that you're having a, a good day and you have plans for the next few days that will be a great celebration of this wonderful event. Uh, I have to admit, I love Christmas. I love Christmas time. I love everything about it. I love the, the music, which is majestic and sometimes whimsical, of course, but I love it. I love peanut brittle and fudge. I, I love gathering with family and friends. I love the, the decorations, the sights, the sounds, the smells of Christmas. It's a magical time uh, for me. And it's also a miraculous time, isn't it? Where we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ into the world and the profound theological and eternal implications of that. It's a wonder and it's a beautiful thing. I know you love Christmas too, honey. What else uh, would you say about it? Well, Christmas for me is um, the memories that I have with my family and grandparents and singing Christmas carols on the staircase and opening Christmas presents and just seeing the wonder in um, everyone's eyes as they open up presents. And also reading the uh, Christmas story has been a tradition at our home. And that's something that I treasure each year as the new grandchild reads the Christmas story for the first time. So lots of memories of food and family and parties and gatherings and celebrations and that's just what Christmas means to me. We love the traditions of Christmas and we encourage you uh, to establish those and maintain those in your homes. It's a joyous time of the year and cause for celebration. I know that you uh, are pl making plans to do that. Uh, you know one of the great challenges of the Christian life is to live in the tension that exists between the wonderment, the mystery, the miraculous nature of our faith, of the Christian faith, and contrasted by the routine, the regular, the normal, the natural parts of life. We, we live in the tension of that. Uh, so much of the world wants to live in one world or the other, the natural world or the spiritual world. And, we are called to live in both. I mean, think about Mary, for example. She is visited by this archangel, Gabriel. It is a powerful moment, almost unimaginable for us to put ourselves in her place. And the archangel says to her, you're going to become pregnant without the benefit of sexual relations with your husband. You're going to bear a son. He will be great and his kingdom will be eternal. So he, he offloads this information to her. And then it's interesting, the text actually reads in the Gospels, and then the angel left her. Well, now wait. You have this amazing miracle of this visitation, the Annunciation, the, the promised son, this virgin birth, all of that in a miraculous setting. But now she's left with explaining this to her father and her and her betrothed, Joseph, and her friends. And now she's left with 
growing this baby and the nine months of gestation and beginning to show and all of the social pressure and personal pressure, um, this 90 day journey, or 90 mile journey rather from, from where she's living in Nazareth to Bethlehem for the census and she rides this burrow for these 90 miles, nine months pregnant. I mean, that's a pretty natural event. Uh, so all the way to the, to the birth of this baby, the conception, that was supernatural. The birth, that was natural. And so she's living in the tension between the eternal, the spiritual, and the natural world. The shepherds have the same experience. I mean, they're out there tending their flocks in the middle of the night. Suddenly, this angelic visitation, this choir of angels, and they're seeing visions and hearing voices and this, this sound of singing. and. Can you imagine a shepherd awakened out of his sleep? Now he stands up, he's looking into the sky at this phenomenon. He, he's probably slack-jawed. And what are the odds that he, as he jumps up, he's actually standing now in a fresh pile of sheep poo? The supernatural all around him and the natural at the same time. Do you see the, do you see the blending? The, 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 the tension, the contrast of these things. Uh, years ago, Beth and I were back home in Beth's hometown of Fowler, Indiana, and we were with her family all day on Christmas Eve. And it was late in the evening now, and their tradition in their Roman Catholic church there locally was to have a midnight mass. And so that night we all went to midnight mass. We'd been making merry all day and all night, so everybody was pretty tired but we went to the worship celebration, the mass, and the church was packed. I mean, it was standing room only. Uh, very traditional church, you know, long, narrow center aisle, uh, a balcony in the back, and, and we uh, knew that, that Beth's parents were gonna be singing in the choir, which resided up in the balcony, so we went up there and sat in the first two rows, rows of pews, right? on the front of the balcony. And we were there and we were in the middle of the mass and, and the Monsignor, the priest, was giving his homily at midnight and, and it, was, it was a warm and wonderful time and everyone was relaxed. And our, our youngest son, Isaac, was about six years old. And he was sitting right on the front row of that balcony on a wooden pew, hard wooden pew, just like the rest of us along the front row there. And he was clear in the corner of the face of this front row of the balcony, right up against the wall, and he's kind of laying against the wall, <laughs> uh, just getting tired and almost ready to fall asleep, six years old. And apparently he got so relaxed, and he had been eating uh, sufficiently all day and all night, that he had built up a little gas. And so in the middle of this relatively quiet room, with only the priest's voice in the background, Isaac let go some air, and it wasn't a little bit. It rumbled. It rumbled the old wooden pew. I mean, it reverberated, and it was clear and obvious to everyone within 30 feet of Isaac what had happened, and it was hilarious. And we were trying to hold it together. You can imagine his older brother sitting right next to him trying not to just burst out laughing. And on down the family, and to Beth and then to me, and we're both looking down at Isaac like, come on, man, this is not the time or the place for that. And Beth's Aunt Helen, who was 80 years old at the time, she was sitting in the pew right behind us with some of the other cousins. I mean, it was just shoulder to shoulder. And we, we were just about able to survive the moment without breaking out in laughter. And Aunt Helen starts to giggle because she had heard it. And she thought it was funny. And she starts to giggle. And then in the middle of her giggling, she snorts. She, she kind of inhaled. So it was <laughs> like this. It is Aunt Helen. When Aunt Helen lost it, we all lost it. And so for three rows in the, in the balcony, we're all just giggling out loud, laughing out loud. And the priest actually stopped. <laughs> he stopped, he's looking over the, his glasses up at us on the balcony, you know, like we were being scolded. And I, 
You know, I tried to give him the gesture like, sorry, please, you know, we're sorry. Well, that passed then finally, and everything calmed back down, and the priest went back to his, uh, his homily, and, and there was also a beautiful lighted garland that was hanging on the face of that balcony that was centered in the middle and then, and then swooped down to, the, to each corner, and the way it was affixed on the corners was they put a really narrow gauge wire on the end of it and ran it over the top of the face of the balcony and then just a, uh, penned it to the wall. And this happened to be exactly where Isaac, our six-year-old, was sitting. <laughs> and he saw this little wire coming up and had no comprehension of what it may be doing there. And so he just took his finger and reached over and started to pluck it. So he was going, dong, 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 like this. And then finally, bang, and he broke it. So the, so the end of the lighted garland on the face of this goes swinging down like this. I, I heard it go doing, and I look at Isaac, and Isaac's now, his eyes are this big, just going, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> and I've, I'm thinking, what did, and so I lean forward, and I look down, and I see this lighted garland just swooping down like this big pendulum, like this, swinging. And people down below, I mean, it's down just right at head level with them, and people there are going, whoa, there's a lighted garland coming down, almost hitting us. So I'm about mid-balcony mid where I was sitting, and so I got up, and I reached down, and I was able to reel it in from the center. And again, the priest is, I looked down, the priest is like this. It's the same, it's the same scoundrels in the balcony <laughs> causing trouble. And I motioned to him and said, don't, don't worry, you know, I, I got this. You know, I'll take care of this. And so I'm, you know, I'm walking it back and reaffixing it to the, to the wall, put it back in place. This is all happening in the middle of the, of, the, of the mass. I looked at Isaac and I go, please, don't, don't touch anything. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. It was really funny. So these are moments in the middle of the Midnight Mass, when you're contemplating the miraculous, the wonder, the mystery, the, the spiritual essence of the celebration, and natural things happening all around. So we live in this tension. There, there are people in the world right now who don't believe that God exists. It's interesting. They're called atheists. They, they, are in this season, they're in this day, Christmas Eve. There is, for them, no miracle. There is no mystery. There is no annunciation. There is, there is no virgin birth. There is no incarnation. There is no God. None of the spiritual, none of the supernatural, none of the mystery exists for them. And not only are they dedicated to their atheism, they form cl clubs around it. They write books. They hold conventions. They get together and... and and celebrate the fact that they resist the idea of God. Atheism essentially is the mental attempt to murder God, to pretend that God doesn't exist. I have a challenge for you. Maybe there's an atheist listening to me right now. Here's my challenge. Name one other organization in the whole world that exists, that exists only, only to prove around the notion that something does not exist. One organization that, that the only reason that they form and organize is around the notion to prove that something doesn't exist. Name another, another organization in the whole world like that, and you'll be hard-pressed to find one. It's like uh, nobody goes to Disney World, for example, and, and when you get to the front there, you see people standing protesting Mickey Mouse. They've got, they've got big banners and big signs that they're holding saying, Mickey Mouse does not exist. Don't believe in Mickey. You know, go back to Iowa. Mickey's not real. You don't have that. Nobody does that. And so, and so the issue isn't whether or not God exists. God exists, of course. Otherwise, why would you have to form an organization to try to convince yourself he doesn't? There are, there are no other organizations like that. So God is real. 
And God is powerful, and God is involved in our lives, and God is a supernatural God. He dwells in light. He is a consuming fire. He is an amazing God filled with, with love and mercy and kindness toward us, so much so that he offered his only son on our behalf. So the opportunity we have at Christmas isn't, isn't to wonder if God is real. The opportunity we have at Christmas is to live in the tension that exists between that, that dream that you have for a perfect holiday celebration, uh, just like the Norman Rockwell painting, versus the real thing that happens. You know, when the kids are screaming and someone drops the, drops the, the, the mashed potatoes all over the floor, or Uncle Daryl shows up drunk again. You know, that's real life. That's the natural thing. But in the midst of all of that, there's wonder. So for Mary, it's can she live in the natural world? Can she deal with her family and friends and deal with the social pressures and at the same time follow the will and purpose of God for her life by saying yes to this plan that is so wonderful? For the, for the angels, the question is, can they stand in a fresh pile of sheep poo and still hear the angels sing at the same time? For folks, common folks like us, the question is, can we take our six-year-old to an important service with family and friends and, and that little guy, you know, kind of mess up a couple of times during this, during this moment? Can we, can we live with that natural consequence of living in the world and at the same time embrace the wonder and the mystery and the hope that is provided by the gift of the Son of God to the world. And so that's my invitation to you this year. In the midst of COVID, which has turned all of our lives upside down, all of the stress points, all of the disappointment, all of the struggle, all of the confusion, all of the pain, all of the fear, that has come in association with the circumstances of our natural world this year, can we still, in a moment like this, celebrate the goodness, the wonder, the mystery, the miracle of God's intervention in our lives? I hope we can, and I invite you to do it. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are alive and well and active in our lives and that you have demonstrated to us through the person of your son Jesus Christ your full intention toward us to reveal yourself to us to acknowledge your love and care for us and your intention to recover us restore us and redeem us forevermore when the angel said, glory to God in the highest, we say, yes, glory to God in the, in the very highest. And so peace, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Lord, make that prayer a reality, knowing full well that the best is yet to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, everyone, I know that um, most of you picked up your blue bag from the church in the last few days, and you've found in there your communion elements and candles, uh, the Christmas offering envelope. And so if you'll just reach in and, and take your communion elements, and let's receive communion together on this Christmas Eve. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he blessed it, and he said, brethren, this represents my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you gather together in my name, remember what I've done for you. So if you will, just tear that bottom portion off. Receive the little wafer. And let's partake together, the body of Christ broken for you. And likewise, the same night, he took the cup and he raised it and blessed it. And he said, brethren, this represents the blood of a new covenant, covenant in my blood for the remission of the sins of the world, once and for all satisfying the penalty of our sins. As often as you gather together and partake of this cup, remember what I've done for you. 
Now, friend, as you take the cover off of this, if you just go about halfway, just enough that you can drink out of it, that'll keep you from spilling it on your mother's carpet. So be careful. Now let's partake together the blood of Christ shed for us. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Glory to God. Well, in your blue bag, you also have your candles. So if you'll pull those out, your glow sticks as well for the kids. And you'll get them ready. Now remember, no lighted candles on an angle, only straight up and down perpendicular with a lighted candle. So Beth's candle's been lit. And now this is how you'll light yours. And then always keep it upright. I know you've enjoyed the music that our worship teams have produced for this Christmas Eve service, and it's been such a beautiful expression. And we're going to return to them now and let them lead us in the singing of Silent Night. Blessings to you all. Merry Christmas. God bless you as we sing.
Well, everyone, just a couple more items from your blue bag here at Christmas Eve. One, of course, is this note of gratitude that I've written. I hope you'll take a moment to read that. And beyond this note, could I just say from my heart that as difficult as this year has been, uh, I have been personally encouraged by the response of so many people in our church who have done so many acts of kindness, deeds of service, so many stories out there of care and concern. It's just, it just makes my heart swell. And I'm so grateful to you for the way that you've volunteered and the way you've served. Your generosity has been amazing. Union Chapel has not missed a beat. We are, we are full steam ahead and God is at work and there is fruit every day that we hear about. And it's all because of your goodness and your generosity and your faith. So thank you, thank you so much. I'm so proud to be your pastor. We're proud to be in Muncie with you. Uh, the last thing is the Christmas offering. As you can see, it's a unique color. We tried to get Christmas green, couldn't pull it off, so we got the minty green uh, offering envelope. And when you fill this out, by the way, you should know that when you lick this thing, you actually get a minty flavor, mm -hmm. or at least you can imagine that it's minty. <laughs> and just remember the Christmas offering this year goes to some great causes. Uh, Blood and Fire Christmas Store, the Lightyear Path Children's Bibles, the Winchester House, Recovery House for Women, and of course the new partnership we formed with Urban Light Community Church here in Muncie to build and renovate and staff a recovery home, a residential home for men in addiction recovery here in Muncie. We're very excited about this. I know you are too. We've committed a great deal to this project and it's because it's such an important and critically necessary component to the recovery continuum here in Muncie and Delaware County. So thank you for your generosity. Beth and I are, have, are planning to be extravagantly generous in this offering this year because we know it's gonna make a difference in so many lives. So thank you for your generosity and all you do to make uh, our mission possible at Union Chapel. God bless you. Well, Merry Christmas and blessings in 2021. It's going to be better. It's going to be the better. The best is yet to come. Has to be. Now let me pray with you and offer the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Be at peace, my friends. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men because of the miracle of the birth of Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.